We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Every time I look at the name of this first poem, I think of Nutella. I don't know why. We're talking about <laughs> Nutella or Nulo, <laughs> Evening Sun, and Esther coming up today. Uh, I mean, Nutella's from a nut that comes out in the forest right i mean it, it fits the poem <laughs> the poem's interesting because it, it's it's so brief it's almost kind of like a it's a very beautiful version of if a tree falls in the woods would any would, would anybody hear it something along those lines <laughs> yeah but it's way more beautiful <laughs> right it is because you've got the pine needle falling and as it's falling it's like it's outlined by the sun uh, it's dripped in sunlight, I think was the exact words there. But it does come down to this question of, you know, the rabbits don't hear it, uh, doesn't set the forest aflame. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really is like it it doesn't change anything, but but we saw it. You're not going to read it to me? I always get excited when you read the poems. You do such a great job. I wasn't planning on it, but I can real quick. A spray of pine needles dipped in western horizon gold fell onto a path. Dry molds of cow hooves in the forest. Rabbits knew not of their falling, nor did the forest catch a flame. Yeah, I feel like it is that if something happens and no one's around to see or appreciate it, does it matter? And I think that it really does, that the underlying things of the forest do still make a difference. That although maybe the animals don't notice these things, maybe as people we only notice certain things, it takes everything together working in harmony to be true bliss. Now, something that's kind of interesting with why I wanted to combine these three is in the entirety of this book, never once yet has the word flame appeared. And here we end this uh, poem with... A very strange, just sudden change, like, hey, the forest didn't set a flame when that pine needle fell. And he could choose anything, but he chose it didn't set the forest aflame, which I don't know how many pine needles set forests aflame. So clearly, he's drawing our attention to something here. Right. Let's go on to this next poem, because I want to kind of combine it with this one. Okay. So first of all, how many times did you read this story before you figured out what Cloyne was or who it was? <laughs> I'm still very confused on that. I got to be honest. I read both of them back to back and I felt like I was just, I was more entranced with the forest one and trying to be like, figure out does, does the pine needles make a difference? And I kept, my mind kept wandering back to that one. So I read this one, uh, one more time evening song and I, I still am struggling. Is it death is kind of what I thought maybe she's dying or 
I, I didn't know. The woman's dying. Yeah. Yeah, the woman's I, uh, dying. I think it's hilarious that you just shared that because I have to share that I also had that problem where I was literally thinking cloying. I'm like, <laughs> uh, like I literally thought it was like a tree or something. I'm like cloying. Like we're discussing the beauty of the tree. Like she, she, mother nature. Like I felt that way for a while. I, I read it several more times. It made more sense to me once I kind of established it as this man is looking at this, this woman, whether it be a lover, okay. a wife, something along those lines. Like that, that's what made it finally click for me. And I, I had to read it a couple times before. Uh, so, so, Hey, you know, poetry, sometimes these things mix together. But it's we've talked before about how beauty is something that Toomer explores in this this novel, this short story cycle. And the pine trees were outlined with with sunlight. Here he's looking at the wife and she's outlined set, you know, set alight by moonlight, right? The polar opposite of sunlight here. So we have two poems almost kind of playing opposites to each other in terms of like the bright energy of the sun and the beauty gaze of, of of night if you will so could this one be interpreted as the beauty is in the eye of the beholder that it doesn't have to be as radiant as a sunrise or a sunset that the moon and night can be equally as beautiful it could be i would also feel like that i would want to include nature in this somehow because the first one it's just the narrator that experiences the beauty and moment. He experiences the moment of nature. Okay. He, here we see, I mean, a woman can be beautiful any time of the day, right? Agreed. It's the, it's the way that he paints how the beauty changes, like she's falling asleep, and that he sees how that changes, and he almost marvels at her a little bit differently during this moment. I'm actually kind of interested. I didn't have the thought about death the idea of her falling asleep and that being kind of like the end the sunset or nighttime uh, did you have much more beyond that or yeah that, i was just i was grasping at straws of what is this and i thought okay the the sleepy waters like going to sleep the eternal sleep and then water being rebirth so maybe this is the opposite of birth being death and that he's saying goodbye to his lover as like they embrace one final time. Mm. So I, w I was grasping a straw. So I thought, okay, maybe there's some realm where Una's going to help me out and be like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> no, I mean, I think so. that's actually kind of interesting. Like how sometimes when you say goodbye to someone, whether that is or isn't the situation here, you can certainly see a certain beauty pulled out, right? Like whenever you listen to a eulogy, that they, I mean, they highlight the, the, positive parts of the person life you don't usually yeah, see celebration of life yeah, yeah it's a celebration of life and you know in the same way that a person can celebrate and see a pine needle following and then celebrate that moment so could you also celebrate a person with the kind of passing and seeing a beauty that perhaps you hadn't seen before too i, I think that's beautiful yeah and i guess i was thinking about this one as there was a relationship there and what is the impact of that relationship and then in conjunction with the first poem, I, w I kept thinking about the pine needles are falling and it, it is making a difference whether the, 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 the squirrels or the rabbits or the cows or anything, they notice it does make a difference for them because when maybe they're scurrying along the ground, it hides the nuts from them. And so they're, you're struggling to get food or it makes a nice soft bed for them, or it makes it so it's quieter when they're traversing. So they don't get, you know, uh, attacked or attract, attracted a, a predator or something. So I guess I was trying to like, yes, put those two together because I read them back to back. No worries. I always encourage that. 
Let's talk about Esther because uh, let's let's keep this flame and beauty conversation going because when we get to Esther, um, you know, I've talked about Dr. Du Bois saying that these women are representatives of real women. Uh, and there's even like a critic out there that says that these aren't picture perfect women. They're shadows of of how women are. And no matter how you look at it, there's something to be said about how beauty, whether it be of nature or of people throughout this, clearly Esther is lacking that. We get to her and she has no command over men. And we very clearly see that it's because she's plain. She's she's not as attractive as other women, right? Yeah. Do you think this is this is Tumor writing himself as a woman? That's what I immediately gravitated towards is that he's passing and I feel like Esther is passing. And so she's not beautiful to any one particular group because she's kind of stuck in the middle. And she herself doesn't see herself as beautiful until she seems to get attention from someone else. And that, I guess, is how a lot of us are, right? We, we judge our own beauty of how others are attracted to us, not our own internal beauty or how we, we love or beautify ourselves. That's an interesting point because you said earlier that the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And if you truly are, or like you have those people that have like body images, uh, problems, or they just, oh, yeah. don't, they just don't accept themselves for who they are or what they can give to this world. And they really do look down upon themselves. And, and you, to your point about Esther, I, I don't know about her being a representative of, of Tumor, but she does have this line where she says, Esther looks like a little white child. So to your point about her being of mixed race, she looks like a white child, but she, she's not, right? So that clearly is an indicator that once again, we're in the twilight for this book. Um, that is, until we get to King Barlow, I thought, I thought there was going to be like this, this connection moment with King Barlow, the way that he's like this, you know, big, black, beautiful man, and he falls into this trance, this religious trance where he's almost like channeling God of some sort. But he, he just rides away on his, his big black bull. Right. Like it didn't go the way that I thought it was. I was very surprised as well because I thought we were going to get a, a big religious turn or I thought that we were going to get some thing of, you know, doesn't matter who you are, child, Jesus loves you, uh, you know, or, or something to that effect. I, I thought that we were going to be steered down that religious with, with uh, King Barlow. And yeah, I was very surprised as well that. What I was kind of confused of like, what's the point of his character, except for it almost felt like just a plot device of moving, uh, 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 of moving uh, Esther forward. Um, well, we've got a couple of quotes to draw on, right? It says, to the people, he assumes the outlines of his visioned African. And there's also a quote, drew a portrait of a black Madonna on the courthouse wall. So, so, and he dri- he drives away on the black bull, right? So he is fully black and there's, there's beauty in that. There's... There's value in that, I think. And to your point, it does, you know, leave an impression on Esther to drive her forward and driving her forward that we do from nine years old to 16 years old now. <laughs> yeah, and, big jump. Well, and, and here's what's interesting. When we get to McGregor's shop, she sees that it's a flame with the sun hitting it. So it's not actually uh, on fire, but there's that flame word. It's close. The third, the third story in a row. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. So the first time Flay mentioned was Nulo in this entire book. Technically, there's fired when the gun fired uh, in a previous one, but flame being the true representative of this word. And Evening Suns, the narrator's heart was in flames. 
And here, when she sees the shop, she she imagines she imagines flames. What do you think it is with the the tie of fire and emotions, or even just burning and setting anew that's happening here? I think Tumor's done a masterful job of giving us this idea that fire is passion. It is something that burns hot, and it's inside all of us, and it's just waiting to be ignited. And you need that spark, pun intended, in order to have that flame become alive. Okay. So whether you view it as a new beginning, Phoenix rising from the ashes, do you remember uh, who she saved in the fire? Uh, It was a baby, right? It was a black baby specifically. Right. Oh, so, yes. Oh, the black baby. Yeah, very specific. Yeah, that's right. So so whether you take it as, you know, burning, starting a new phoenix rising from the flames, she is clearly picking a side for her, I would say her, her awakening. 16 is a time of a lot of time of uh, emotional awakening. And she yeah. she chooses to save the, the yeah. black baby, right? So sure, she's potentially choosing a particular pigmentation for her attraction here. Okay, yeah. I mean... Maybe she's not picking it, but she's realizing what is her preference. I don't. I don't know if we really pick or not. Well, is it is it a preference or is it what she wants to become too? You know, I don't. Oh yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, that that's probably it, because that's what she's seen as from everybody else in the representation of the story. Uh, that that's what is beautiful. So it, it's the definition of beautiful in this culture. So when she's 22, right, she's learning the grocery business and she just has all those fantasies about Barlow and kind of belonging in a sense. Like I think she, she, she wants to belong somewhere. And in her mind, like her preference to your point, better word choice is, is with Barlow. Yeah. I mean, it could be preference or is it what she sees as maybe I'll be accepted because she's not being accepted. She's not seeing as, as beautiful. And if she can live adjacent Barlow, then that maybe people will accept her more because Barlow accepts her. Either way, she sets aside five years of her life. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> you know, just, just really stuck on this. And we once again, we see um, the windows are aflame. So there's that fire again. And we have just beautiful, I mean, we don't talk enough about the, we talk about how beautiful the writing is, but we don't even pick like material quotes, but wishes only make you restless. Oh, like sometimes you read lines from this book and you're just like, gosh, tumor, you're just hitting you left get and me. right. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. understand people. Wow. No wonder you're an amazing writer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Barlow is now rich is another thing, right? So he... He earned his money versus Esther. Do you think that, do you think she earned it or do you think she kind of had it in the background? I don't, I don't think, I don't know if earned, I would say. I, yeah, I think maybe just there. Okay. Okay. Let me read some quotes to you here. So okay. going back to, to the, the, I don't, I feel like we still haven't nailed the right word here, but, but listen to some of these quotes. She wants her mind to be like that. Solid contained and blank as a sheet of darkened ice okay interesting to choose the word darkened ice here we have mm -hmm. the house is squat and dark it's always dark barlow is within mm. and then here's another one blackness rushes to her eyes so as she's coming out from these flames as she's she's finally getting this moment to enact her fantasy that she's had for for years now 
she meets Barlow and it's just so dark, her, her, her perfect dark man. And even her world, whether she's fantasizing or not, is completely consumed by this, this feeling, this desire. There's, there's a, a combination of, of what you see is what you get. And also kind of like we talked about earlier with like that pine in the needle in, in, in Anulo, like she's seeing something that no one else is getting, right? And that's special to her in this moment. Yeah, but doesn't once she finally gets what she wants, she isn't happy. So, I mean, that idea that you never know what you truly want to be happy. Well, is it that she's not happy? I think, didn't wasn't the word, the word repulsed used? Like, there, there was, she was just, yeah. when, she, when she was rejected, she straight up just, she almost like disappeared from the town. It's, it's, her, her being was destroyed by by the fact that she defined herself against choosing Barlow in this darkness and when when she got rejected it destroyed her literally <laughs> yeah and i think that that speaks to it that you shouldn't let something that maybe esther did the the level of pigmentation and maybe kind of the lesson here that i took away from this story is that it shouldn't matter right and and maybe that's what tumor is trying to tell us um, is that 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 shouldn't matter. Everybody should, you know, treat each other equally and, and love each other equally, no matter what color you look like. I can even see a little bit of the uh, don't let yourself be so externally defined, right? Because because when the outside Ooh. world changes, right, then you then are not your, to change with it. Yeah. Or where's your definition, right? Because she's destroyed when that happens. So so there is an element of looking internal and, and being an essence that has to be defined, I think, with the external. Yeah, because that's always going to be a sliding scale, right? I mean, beauty standards change all the time, and people change, and what people want will change. And, and if you are so strict and set, like Esther is, then you're going to crack and break when something in society shifts. And that's exactly what happens to her, unfortunately. Wow, beautiful, beautiful story. And I love how all three kind of sort of connect in a, a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah. And we're coming up on, I think next, the next, uh, we've got two short poems, but up coming up next is like the blood burning moon. That's a real popular one. So I'm looking forward to, to talking to you about that. We got a playlist of all the cane pieces in this that we're going through story by story, poem by poem here. So click on that to join us. If you weren't following along already, peace. Peace. My name's Ben Crypto. <laughs> Ooh.